I've got a good word for you today. As we come out of this Thanksgiving season, we know what the next season is. Somebody shout it out. Christmas. As we talk about Christmas, we know now, especially in this present time, that there are two seasons paralleled against each other, juxtaposed against each other. One is a spiritual season and one is a secular season. And when it comes to the Christmas season, most of us try to juggle both. We try to make uh, Jesus happy with us and we try to make Santa happy with us. Can I hear an amen? Some people really struggle at this time and they want to lean strictly to the secular and not recognize that this is a season that we celebrate the greatest gift that's ever been given to the world. On the other hand, we, we wrestle as well as parents, as grandparents, and we want to remind our, our children, our grandchildren about the great truths of God's word. We also want to have the fun of the season. Aaron, if you can help me, these monitors are really ringing. I don't know if you can hear it in the house. Uh, I'm hearing myself preach about six times. I'm getting the original and reruns all at the same time. As we talk about this season coming up, we, we know that uh, we not only have the two seasons paralleling each other, but we know that when it comes to Christmas, we're all thinking of gifts and we're thinking of presents uh, that maybe we want to receive and especially those that we want to please somebody else with. But there's another tradition of the season that both worlds, secular and spiritual, embrace at this time is where I want to build from today because it's going to really speak to all of us today. And it's the gift of light itself. When we come into this Christmas season, we know that there are a lot of lights. There's lights, and then there's lights, and then there's more lights. If you would come to my house right now, you would think that we were a proverbial lighthouse. There are lights twinkling, there's white lights, there's colored lights, there's lights inside the house, there's lights outside the house. We know as we drive through our communities that uh, the municipalities are already putting up their street lights, and we see our neighbors are starting to put lights out. It's a season about lights. I want you to stand with me as we go to God's Word because there's not only the secular lights, but there is a, a very divine spiritual light that we have to remind ourselves about. Matthew chapter 4, I'm going to read verses 12 through 17. And this is all, of course, at the very beginning of Jesus' ministry before he's even selected his apostles. Verse 12 says, Now when he had heard that John, which John was his cousin, John the Baptist, that John had been arrested, he withdrew into Galilee, and leaving Nazareth, and lived in Capernaum by the sea, in a territory of Zebulun and Naphtali, so that what was spoken of the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. Notice the language here. The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, verse 16, speaks volumes. The people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light. And for those dwelling in the region, 
and shadow of death, on them a light has dawned. And from that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Thank you, God, for your word. You may be, may be seated. Of course, this passage here is referring to Isaiah, and we have it recorded in Isaiah 9 and verse 2. We know as we come into the season now, as we're talking about light, we are also referenced another thing called darkness. When we look at this passage, we, we also realize that it's very symbolic at this time of the year as we get into the Christmas season and we celebrate that Jesus' birth, uh, we do it on December 25th. I am a believer that Jesus was actually born at Tabernacles, but we still celebrate that God has given us his only begotten son. And we celebrate that December 25th. It just so happens that December 25th follows December 22nd, which is the darkest day of the year, the winter solstice. There's more darkness during that day than any other day. And we see coming out of that darkness that there is now this giving of light. We realize that in this, that that this word darkness permeates everything when it has its opportunity. It takes light to diminish the darkness. We understand again that as we talk about darkness, the scriptures bear out two significant things. Now, it sounds like I'm going to take a lot of time talking about darkness, and we're going to give it a few moments, but we've got to remember the gift of light. But we begin with darkness because that's where many of us live. That's where many of us concentrate our focus. And you say, not me, Pastor, but I'll beg to differ as we look a little closer. Because darkness has an ill effect on us that just hovers and it saturates. And when darkness shows up, it covers everything. We find our thinking focusing not on light but on darkness. You see... Scriptures bear out that darkness represents two things. The first is ignorance. And we use the expression, well, I was just in the dark. You see, darkness has that effect. When we talk about darkness and when we talk about being ignorant, when we talk about not having knowledge, that's exactly what we're talking about. Darkness, as it pertains to ignorance, is the absence of knowledge. It doesn't mean that we're uh, foolish or that we're stupid. We use that expression. We're just ignorant. We're in the dark. I don't know. I've had people come and say, I don't know what I don't know, Pastor. It is that thing that Scripture bears out. We are working without knowledge. It is Isaiah again. Notice close attention, Isaiah 8. When he talks about people, it is a common practice when we don't have knowledge of God. It says they were turning to necromancers or they were turning to the dead. Can you imagine talking to the dead about the living? That's exactly what we do. When I want to know, we, we romance death. We romance zombies. We're in a culture that has embraced this. It's all genre, focusing on darkness. Don't let me lose you. Because the scripture bears out they were, they were consulting the dead. 
They were consulting mediums. They were consulting magicians. And then the language of Scripture brings it out. They were looking to the earth for knowledge. Wow. When we talk about tarot cards, when we talk about uh, um, the zodiac, when we talk about anything, uh, a medium, I want to know something. I've got to, I need knowledge. I need to know what I'm supposed to do with my life. I, I need to know about this guy I met. Do I really marry him? I, I need to go to a medium. They'll tell me. I need supernatural information. You see, this is common practice. Without having the knowledge of God, we keep going back to the same thing Scripture already bore out. They look to the earth for their answer. Many times we look to governments for our answer. If we don't have the knowledge of God, who else are we going to depend on? Who are we going to trust? I, I trust we can trust governments. It's a common practice. Or we turn to money. Money will get me through. And Jesus spoke of that. You can't serve God and mammon at the same time. We turn to technologies, technologies, and I, I, I could bore you with stories over the last 40 years of ministry, where whether we're dealing with a disease or dealing with an evil practice, I have individuals say to me, well, I know I shouldn't be doing this, but I just know technologies are moving so fast that there'll be a cure for what I'm involving myself in before too long. In other words, playing Russian roulette with our life and our health. It's going back again. There's a basis here for where we're going today to understand the Bible's exactly right. We will turn to the earth for our answers, looking for resources from the earth, governments, technologies, mammon. And today, don't let me lose you, we hear the word science. I'm going to turn to science. But you see, you don't have to be afraid of science the scripture bears out what science is. It's the study of that which God has already given. But when you're trying to look to science alone without God involved, you find yourself again, then I am looking to the earth for my answers. Common practice. But the second thing that darkness is known for in scripture is not just ignorance, but evil itself. And this is where many of us find ourselves living in fear the evil of the day. I promise you sometime this week, it's probably come from your own lips or your ears have heard somebody talking about this evil day in which we live. There's just too much crime. There's just too much. This should have never happened. It's an evil thing. When you hear reports, police reports coming back, what people can do to one another, you think, how diabolical, how evil was that person? What would cause them to do such a thing? So we talk about darkness being evil. Evil. Don't let me lose you. Because this is where it's going to set the stage for us to understand how incredible God really is. Evil is not so much a reality as it is the absence of a reality. Let me say it again. We dwell on evil. But it's not as much a reality as it is the absence of a reality. Let's set the stage. The Bible speaks to us about truth. That's another word contested today. We don't believe in absolute truth. 
individuals will say. We talk about truth as if it is only relative. That truth works for you. This truth works for me. And there are two uh, 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 competing thoughts coming along. How can they both be truth if they're opposite of each other? So we keep coming back. Well, again, it's still relative. That works for me. That works for you. But here's the reality. Truth is the reality. Truth exists on its own. It just is. You may not have discovered it yet, but it's there. Truth exists on its own. Here's where it gets exciting. Well, then, if, if I'm not living in truth, then what am I living? I'm living a lie. And here's the difference. Truth always exists, and it can exist on its own, but a lie depends upon truth to exist. Wow. Now the light just turned on. The light just turned on. We focus on, well, she lied to me. He lied to me. Well, they're just living a lie. Well, the lie is so big. And if you tell the lie bigger and bigger, other people will get involved and it just permeates the area. And this lie is bigger. No, it, it can't exist unless there's a truth already there. Wow. Same it is with life. Life exists on its own. Death cannot exist on its own. It can only come into reality because of life. Wow. So it is with good. Good exists on its own. Evil cannot exist on its own. It depends upon that which is good. The foundation has always been there. There's a word in the Hebrew that I want you to see. In the Hebrew, it's Satan, S-A-H-T-A-N. What is that? It is that which opposes. It is that which uh, not only opposes, but it stands against. When you say the word Satan, Two or three times. What else are you hearing? Satan. Wow. He is the adversary. He is that opposes what? The truth. Wow. Now we're getting deeper into this. You see darkness, evil, death, false things. You know what they really are? They all are witnesses bearing that there is truth. powerful. It's powerful. When something horrendous happens, something very evil, something very dark, the media gets a hold of it. The, the gossip gets a hold of it. Social media lights up with it. All these things are talking about how are we ever going to overcome this evil? It is that which becomes bigger than life and forgetting what was there First, again, there's a salient light. God has given us the light. Notice what Scripture says. It didn't say that a light sprang up from the earth. It says that a light has dawned. The language of the Bible, again, is explicitly telling us what God has done for us. 
In this Christmas season, what is the promise? For unto us a child has been given. For unto us a light has dawned. It is, and and, and all the language of the Bible again, Isaiah quotes it when he says, and who is this child to be given? All the language of God himself. Mighty God, wonderful counselor, prince of peace. All these things is God himself. It causes us, once again, to be dumbstruck, to be full of wonder. Now, how does it all work? Look what God is always doing. Go back to Genesis 1 and 3. As we go back to the creation, the language of the Bible says what? (laughs) That darkness was upon the face of the deep. And God said, let there be light. Darkness had to dissipate once the light had come. The language of the Bible, again, springing up to us. Again, and I've shared this in the past, but again, there's always new listeners. The verbiage of the Bible, the language of the Bible, in the days of creation, day one, day two, all through day six, on the days of creation, the language is always the same. As God looked at what had been created, what did he say? And it is good. The second thing it always says is, and the evening and the morning were the first day. The evening, no, no, I didn't reverse the the order. That's the biblical language. It didn't say the morning and the evening. We're used to thinking that way. If we talk about Sunday being today, well, it's morning now and we'll have an evening. It'll be a complete day and then I'll go to bed. The language of the Bible gets it right. The evening and the morning. In other words, what's the Bible teaching us? God is always moving us from darkness to his light. Wow. Oh, this is good stuff. This is rich. This is worth coming for. You might want to pay devil tithes for this one. The language of the Bible. What is it teaching us? The evening and the morning, first day. The next thing you realize is, and God said, and it is good. You notice before evil was ever on the planet, good was here first. We focus so much on darkness, so much on evil, so much on what is wrong, so much that is a lie that it consumes our thought and the spirit of fear moves in and we're like, I don't know if God can handle this. I don't know if God can get me through this. I, I just, I don't know what my answer is going to be. Our answer's always been there, it's God. The truth is the truth. Life is the gift of God. All these things are God's gifts to us. It is Peter who writes as well and reminds us It is God who has called us, what? Out of darkness to his marvelous light. 
God is always calling us. How many times have I preached it and it, uh, it has to be applied again? God is always speaking to us in the reference that you and I would always call our future. In other words, if this is where I am today in my life and I don't know what today's going to hold and I don't know what tomorrow's going to hold, God isn't speaking to me if this was my past as we talk about time. God isn't speaking to me from, the, from that position and he's not even speaking to me from where I am. God is always always ahead of me and he's speaking to me from here come he's always calling me out of darkness into his light he's always taking me out of ignorance into full knowledge he's always calling me to this place that again the scriptures bear out Paul said God who predestined us who foreknew us he called us and he goes all the way and he is the one who what glorified us all the language of sequences that we're so used to, predestined, foreknowledge, called, all the way to one day I'll get to be glorified. God is speaking to us from here. Eliza, that's why God's talking to you from that position. Because he loves you. And he knows the plans that he has for you to prosper you and not to harm you. Come on, somebody. And this is why, Tammy, I see you back there. He's calling you from here. But Tammy's caught up in stuff right here. And it's evil. Somebody has said something wrong to disrupt you in your journey. But God is always speaking. And don't get hung up and focus on all that. You just keep listening to my voice. I'm calling you to the, my God, somebody. So this season of lights is bigger than we really think. The light that dawned on whom? Those who were dwelling in darkness. Wow. It's been there all along. I just didn't realize it. So here's the secret. God is always calling us to that light. God is, again, the, what did the angels say to the shepherds on that night? I'm giving you a message Good news, good news, and of great joy unto you is a Savior, a Savior of the world being given to you. As we close out today, what does this mean to me? It's one thing to have knowledge, but it's another thing to use that knowledge to realize that tomorrow's going to be another day. Next week will be another day in each one of those days of that week. Next month, next year. What is it that God is saying to me? He's already given us the light. Well, I don't know what, what's the truth. I'm in darkness. I'm, I'm ignorant. But God is always calling me to that light. My responsibility is not to let my heart focus on the wrong thing. My heart is to focus on the good. My heart is to focus on the light, the promise, the truth. You see, this is why we've, we used to sing, standing on the promises of Christ, my King. You see, it really should be saying, standing under the promises that God has umbrellaed me with. When I remember 
and I dwell upon. This is, again, going back to what we're always talking about, his word, taking God at his word. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. I'm very human, and I get caught up in life, and I get caught up in darkness of ignorance or evil. My focus, then, is not to concentrate on that. He's not given me a spirit of fear. He's given me what? Yeah, you hear the word? He hasn't given me a spirit of fear. He's given me a spirit of life and of sound mind. Lord, I don't like where I am right now. But I know before this lie ever showed up in my life, your truth was already here. Wow. I don't like the darkness of the moment. But I know your word teaches darkness may come. Night may come. It may last all night long. But joy is coming in the morning. Wow. Always calling me out of darkness into his marvelous light. How many times as a pastor have I walked with individuals and families where someone is sick and we're trusting God for the healing? But we all say the same thing when we finally hit that pay dirt. God, I am trusting for my physical body to be restored now. However, if this is that appointment for me called death, before there was ever death, there was life. And I can trust you. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will not fear. Wow. You see, some would say, well, you, you Christians, you just, you just got excuses. No, no, no. No, he's given us the gift of life. He's put it in us. There's not the first one of us want to die today. Let's get honest about it. We plan on living. He put that in us. Jesus said, I've come that you may have life and have it abundantly. Can I get on my soapbox for just a minute? Live life. Enjoy it. Celebrate it. And when sorrow comes, we endure it for the night. But joy is coming in the morning. My soapbox is always this. Well, I'm a Christian. But the devil sure is after me. I'm a victim. Wow. Nothing good's happening for me. I don't think God knows my name. But I'm supposed to be a witness for him. So if you want to be a Christian, you can be just like me. No thanks. You see, he's the good shepherd. And I can trust him. The giver of light. When my body gets sick, I want to get better. I want to live. But there's coming a day for Randall Brian Brooks, born August 12, 1959. There's an appointment out there one day called death for Randall Brian Brooks. But I don't have to fear that day. If that day's today, I don't have to fear it. For I have him. 
the giver of life. Would you stand with me today?